0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track, over his head. And over the wall, do you believe? 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right away back. Go on! Go Hayes. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judge blast. All rise. Here comes the Judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from humidors, to spin rates, to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live here on a Wednesday as we are here at the Coliseum. It is a beautiful day, and if you're able to watch us on YouTube or on Twitter, You'll see behind us right here, it's season ticket holder batting practice day. This has actually turned out wonderful. So this is like one of the main perks I'll show you of being a season ticket holder as as you're getting to take BP at a big league stadium. And there are a boatload of season ticket holders out here having a good time taking BP. Now... I, I would love to say that we planned this uh, to showcase how cool it is to be a season ticket holder and everything that comes with being a season ticket holder. But the reality is the power's out at my house. So um, usually we'd be doing this a road game from the home studio, but home studio's got no juice. So we needed a place to go. And We were going to do this from the press box today. But we saw the people on the field and said, you know what, let's just set up where we normally set up for a regular game. And this is what we got going today as one of the many great perks of being a season ticket holder, taking BP at the Coliseum, got the music going, Uh, really, really cool. Mike Farron from SiriusXM is going to be here at 1.30. Sean Doolittle, former A's pitcher on the shelf for the Nats right now, Well, he asked where we set up, and we had to tell him we're not in D.C., we're in Oakland. So he will be stopping by. I think he thought he was just going to cruise by the press box or something and see
2: us.
3: Well, because when we had him on last year when he was here with the Mariners, he came over as a – remember, Mariners legend Sean Doolittle. Yeah, he came over on the field, so he probably thought we were set up on the field in D.C. Well, I had to break it to him that we're at the Coliseum, so waiting for him to get back to me. But we will have Doolittle at 2 o'clock.
0: And then Eric Venezuela, who is the former head coach at St. Mary's, and you might say, why are we going to have the former head coach of St. Mary's and the current head coach of Long Beach State, the dirt bags of Long Beach State? Uh, the reason why we're going to be doing that is because he was the head coach for Ken Waldachuk. And we're going to get a little scouting report as Steven Rodriguez, former head coach at Baylor, and longtime head coach of Pepperdine, one of the great college baseball players, joined us. Uh, he was the head coach for Shay Langaliers. So we're going to get the scouting report because I think a lot of you, and rightfully so, should be excited. You know, because when you trade for a guy, and as as we've seen, when you make a trade for Matt Chapman and not a whole lot in the first year happens, you're not super excited. You know, same thing with Matt Olsen, but already in the Frankie Montas deal, you know, two out of the four, if you're not happy about J.P. Sears and if you have not been reading the reports about Ken Waldachuk, I can't wait to see him. I mean, this is going to be one of those deals where you're looking at two potential guys that could be in your rotation next year for one deal for Frankie Montas, who has struggled mightily since going to the Yankees. And Lou Trevino, if you have two excellent left-handers for years to come, wow, look at the stars that come down onto the field. I mean, we might have to get some vice presidents on the show today here. I saw Steve Finelli at Jack I mean, London earlier. When Finelli walks, I'm like, look, Finelli's here. Now it's a party. Now it is a real party when we have vice presidents uh, coming by here on the field. Uh, Dalton Jeffries. Hey, you got a new job now, uh, in the field? Yeah, he does it all. He'll be sound pretty, uh, you, you do everything now for the athletics. We're going to have to maybe get you on in a little bit as the uh, right-hander for your a- a- athletics. We had no idea what we were going to have today. We just knew because years ago – I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Years ago, the people in my neighborhood thought it would be a good idea – to grow palm, to have palm trees. Um, palm trees are not a native of San Jose. Nor are they of the Bay Area. But they thought in San Jose they must have all gotten together in the in my in my neighborhood, and so all the tr- all the houses have palm trees for some reason. Well, problem with that, the palm trees grew up, and when the palm trees grow up, they grow into the power lines. So PG&E right now is at my house and on my block, basically changing the power lines, I guess, taking them underground, cutting the trees, doing the whole deal. So that means no power, no show. So we will be doing everything from here today. Ace Cast Live, Ace Total Access brought to you by Chevron and uh, my hits during the game. And hope to God not post-game show there'll be power at some point and I can get out of here. But yeah, that's, we didn't know what we were getting into today. We thought we were going to come into an empty stadium. You know, when is Ceres this week? Probably I got to talk to him. We'll, we'll do Friday because our next show after this is Friday. So really want to get into something that I don't know how much it excites you. I do think it's kind of a a learning process that we're going through and we go through this all together. And Eno has done an article on this. I said this is the year as, if you've ever read the book, the tipping point. This to me was the year was going to be the tipping point of when we're going to see historic lows in innings pitched now the past couple years and how that's going to affect the game overall. How is that going to affect teams? How much you go to the bullpen? As James Caprillion tonight for the Athletics is trying to avoid his 33rd straight start of six innings or less. That's crazy. That's never happened before in A's history. Now, he's thrown the ball. I mean, other than his last start where he wasn't good, uh, his last nine starts, he was... 3-2 3-2 and two with a 2.59. That's really good. But he's not giving you those extra innings finishing. I mean, basically for this season, he has averaged five innings a start. So that's where I go into my, my routine of it's going to be a law, firm, a law firm game. It's going to be the law firm of Pruitt, Mole, Acevedo, Puck, whoever. And you're asking four, five, maybe six guys to finish the game. But then that not only affects you for this game, but affects you for the next couple games. Well, that's just one start. Well, what happens if now all of your guys go five innings? And now you're asking the bullpen to cover four, at least three, four, if not five innings every single game. How will this affect the team long term? Well, Eno has come out with an article, and I can't wait to talk to Mike Farron about this. One of the teams that has really struggled because their bullpen has not been the same as last year. They have not, even with the added, you know, added pitcher, you're allowed 13 pitchers, you're allowed all these guys in the bullpen when you haven't had the same success and you've had injuries, and they're now tracking, okay, who are the teams that go back-to-back the most? Who are the teams that use guys back-to-back-to-back the most? Who's tied for number one in the back-to-back-to-back? That's the San Francisco Giants. By the way, the San Francisco Giants lost again to the Padres last night. They got the Padres again today, I think, at 345 is the start time.
3: Uh, no, that's 345. I think it's playing. they're playing right now. It's a day game. Oh, 345 Eastern, so 1245. So I, they're, was,
0: I was listening to Sirius, it's, Sirius hard, it's hard
3: to look at our scoreboard and not see anything on it. I mean, it's, we're not used to that.
0: So the Giants right now, what, 61
3: and 65? No, 61 and 67, if I'm not mistaken. Six
0: under now. We have confirmed it. This is looking to be the biggest drop-off from one year to another in the history of baseball. No team has won that many games and then drop that many games the very next season. Has never happened before. As they crushed it with 107 victories last year to now clearly going to finish well under 500, unless there's some miraculous hot streak. And you wonder, how could you drop so many games? One of the reasons why, bullpen. And a lot of the teams that have overutilized their bullpens this year do not have good records on the year. It's been a really big struggle. So something that re- we really ha- have been waiting to see how this season would play out. When if you're not going to if you're not going to require and baby your starters, and they're going to tell us, well, this is just modern day baseball. How's that going to work for teams? Well, for some teams, it's going to be horrific, and we're going to see how it's going to work for the A's down the stretch. When you've got so many outings for a guy, let's just take an Acevedo. We're not in September yet. And the call-ups now, you you don't have the luxury like the Milwaukee Brewers had for these years to call up a bazillion guys. Tampa, call up a bazillion guys, and that's how you were going to get through September because you wore your bullpen out till September, but then the reinforcements came. But the reinforcements aren't coming. And watching, by the way, Cody, watching that the other day uh, on MLB Network, watching the actual Brewers and Pirates game, and I can't remember. Why would you subject yourself to that? The Pirates are horrible. Why? It was a game. I was on. I was watching it. (laughs) It was one of the MLB Network guys who made the incredible point of bullpen is seriously struggling for Milwaukee. Milwaukee now is out. Uh, They're the seventh seed, as the Padres are the sixth seed. And they have really babied the starters who have been good for the Brewers. And the question has been, what is more important for you right now if you're Milwaukee? Is it relying more on your starters and getting yourself into the postseason or protecting your starters and making sure they're healthy for spring training? I was like... Was that really just said on MLB Network? Was that really just admitted that you basically just said about a front office in Major League Baseball that you're so over-babying over, over babying your guys that somebody who's paid to cover this game for the network that's paid for by Major League Baseball is questioning, what do you care more about? Do you care more about... Your starters health for spring training or pushing them a little more to help out your bullpen to help your team do what? Get in the postseason. Cause once you get in the postseason, you have an opportunity to try and win a World Series. And that's what everybody talks about. That's what everybody says. They say that's what matters. That's what they care about. I mean, you wanna you wanna talk about a damning statement to a front office where you're truly questioning your 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 motive of what the say? I mean, you got a month left. Are you gonna be pulling your guys this early and going to bullpen that's getting hammered and you and you got rid of Josh Hader? Well, I don't that might have been a blessing in disguise. Whatever he's done in San Diego, that wasn't happening in Milwaukee. True, it wasn't, no. So 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 technically I can't say that what's happening in San Diego. Where Hader has struggled, that would have continued to happen where he was comfortable and where he's been successful his entire career to where he's just not been a good reliever. He's been a historic reliever. Yeah,
3: uh, his ERA over his last, I think, I forget how many outings, is like 25 or something. It's it's really bad. And the Brewers are two and a half back in the wild card, but you're right. Their starters are going on. Well. And they have three very good starters in Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, who's back from injury, and Corbin Burns, who Eric
0: Valenzuela coached at St. Mary's. So what are you going to do? Are you going to protect your starters just to get them through the year and make sure they're healthy for spring training? I Seriously, I had to pause it and say, wait a minute, rewind it. I wish I remember who was doing it that night, you know, because they have their um, – what's the show called? It's not Quick Pitch. It's the uh, – MLB Tonight? MLB Tonight. So Greg Amesinger is probably hosting it. It was probably uh, – it was weekends. Oh. It was a weekend. I think it was Saturday. Or whenever it was. And, ooh, season ticket holders getting
3: fired up. One of them did take, one of the season holders did take a ball to the wall in left field earlier when I was setting up. Has anyone gone deep? I haven't been paying attention close up. The one guy hit it off like the southwest banner out there in left field.
0: Yeah, you got to feel pretty good about yourself as a season ticket holder if you're able to take one deep and get one out of here. Because no matter what, this is not a small ballpark. I mean, it's fair down the lines at 3.30. Then you start going out to 3.67, and then you start seeing the wall. And you don't want to hit it off the mechanic's bank and just get it over the the yellow line. Well, it used to be yellow. It's faded now to whatever you call <laughs> that color. Uh, you want to get into the seats. Now, if you get it to the State Farm, you just got to get over the wall. It hits the State Farm and goes down. But you want to get it out. And if you get it out... I mean, you get it out, lefty, righty, however you get it out. I'd be interested. I haven't hit, I haven't taken BP in a long time. I wonder if I could still get it out. It'd have to be a metal bat. I
3: always wondered that too.
0: If I it could, would have to be a metal bat. Yeah, I've always wanted to take batting practice here just once. See,
3: see how far I can hit the ball. Still, it's been a long time.
0: Um, we were talking yesterday while we were at NBC about draft picks, and I, you know, what when I read this today in the notes, um. About where the A's draft. I forgot. You would have thought the A's have had the number one pick a few times. It was only once, right? The A's have not had the number one overall pick. So it says the Athletics have not picked first overall since the very first draft, when of course they were in Kansas City, which was Rick Monday. The first ever pick ever. What, Fossey was ninth in that pick? Ninth in that draft? That sounds right. He, I mean, he the Marion tra- Mule, the great Ray he Fossey. was drafted before Nolan Ryan and Johnny Bench. So the A's, they took Mulder second out of Michigan State. I'm not sure if that's the highest. God, that would have been 90. It was late 90s. 97, 98. Mulder went in the second pick overall.
3: I'm trying to think like, what's the highest pick we've had recently.
0: Uh, Beck, Austin Back Wasn't was he, he
3: fourth or yeah, six Something like that, yeah. It was in, like, four, five, six range.
0: Well, you start looking at it, the A's are going to have a 16.5% chance with the Nationals. So, really, you know, in years past, we would have looked at this series like, hey, you don't want to win these games. Like, you don't want I mean, you want to have the first pick of the draft. What's the point of winning a game at the uh, – end of august against a bad team like yourself but now with the lottery and i'm really glad they went to this now yeah you are trying to win you're not trying to tank it and both these teams have 16.5 percent chance of getting that first round pick along with the pittsburgh pirates you got the tigers at 13.25 you got the reds at 10 and the royals at 7.5 but yeah you're at a point right now for the a's where kind of Kind of the, 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 the gloom over the season starts to pass over you, and you're in a situation to where you're now going to have more young guys coming up. Speaking of young guys, what's the uh, gunner, the kid coming up for the Orioles who's 21? Gunner Henderson, yeah. 21. The Orioles are calling up a young guy, another young guy at 21
3: years old. And he's old will play in the postseason if they make
0: it. Unreal.
3: He, yeah, uh, that, you
0: know what that makes me think? Ding, ding, ding. Where are you at, Jordan Diaz, at 22 years old, who's been raking? I know he just got called up to A, and this kid for the Orioles has been Triple AA, A. But that's the thing, folks, in baseball. We keep telling you, don't be listening to this, hey, these guys got to play so much in A. They got to play so much in AAA. You've got teams highly successful this season. This season. And I and Mike Farron coming up has said it, and we even asked Fran Reardon, oh, the biggest divide ever between AAA and Big League. Who cares? Don't tell that to the Braves.
3: Yeah, don't tell Michael Harris
0: that. Don't don't be telling that to the Orioles. Don't be telling that to Julio Rodriguez and the Seattle Mariners. If you're not bringing up young players, legit young players, it's shame on you and your scouting because other teams are. Just not, just not teams that are bad teams. We're talking about the World Series champs. We're talking about teams that are competing for the postseason are bringing up 21, 22, 23. Dermis Garcia, it's one of the reasons why I keep saying keep him in there. I haven't seen the lineup today. Is he back in there today after hitting his first career home run? I haven't seen a lineup yet either. I mean, he's 24 years old. He's hitting the minor leagues. Let him play. We have seen way too much 28, 29, and 30-year-olds playing this year for the A's because I know odds are a lot of them are not going to be there when we head to spring training next year.
3: Uh, Garcia is in the lineup batting fifth. Perfect. What's he? Is he DHing or first? First. Langoliers is DHing.
0: Perfect. Let's see the young guys. And you know what? At some point, why not Jordan Diaz? A a caller made on A's A's clubhouse show, can't remember which one of our callers, he made a great point. He said, if you got a guy who already you know is going to have a shot at making the big leagues next year, and if he doesn't make the big leagues, going to be in AAA anyway, why not bring a guy up for a couple weeks and let him get some at-bats? Why not? What do you have to lose?
3: Diaz is hitting 325, 16 home runs, 68 runs driven in. According to this, in minor league baseball, he has 1,358 at bats. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive when you have to have what was it, 1,500 at bats to be called up to the majors. How many at bats? It says on here, 1,358. He's he's right there, and he's 22. What are we waiting
0: for? Oh, he just got up to triple-A. So what? Bring him up. Let him ride on the jet. Let him stay in the four seasons, the Ritz-Carlton. Let him meet Mickey Morabito. <laughs> Let him understand what the big league life is like. Let him play on this field. Give him something this offseason, that extra carrot. Instead of dangling the carrot, give him a little bite of the carrot. Let him know what it's like. And you know what? If he struggles, doesn't matter. He's going to A again next year anyway. That, yes. that that what the caller made a great point. I didn't even think about that. It's like if you're telling me he's going to triple A anyway next year, right? Like maybe he has a crazy spring and whatever, but you know, we don't like to do crazy call ups. Like David Forrest said on this show. And you saw it on this show. He's kind of not comfortable promoting guys from double A to the big leagues. Okay. You've now put him up. How many at-bats does he have in triple A right now? Uh, he's been there now at least for over a week.
3: Altogether this year he has 425 at bats. In AAA, he has nine uh 46. In 46 at bats in Vegas, he's hitting 370, one home run, 10 uh 10 driven in. But in double A, he had 379 at bats and hit 319 at Midland. He's having a good year. How
0: many at bats in triple A?
3: So uh forty six.
0: And Four- he's hitting what?
3: 370.
0: What are we doing? What are we doing?
3: I mean, if you remember last year.
0: And don't tell me, well, hey, Townie, we've talked a lot about how the the numbers are skewed. Hey, you got Vegas as your AAA affiliate. You already know what the deal is. Offensive numbers will be too good. Pitching numbers will be worse than these guys are. But you know what? Why not? In September. Maybe they will call him up for September. I don't I, well, we know who one is, is Walter Chuck. We don't know who the second one is. I mean, let me ask you, is VMile Machine the future at third base? Was he twenty-eight? I'd say no. Is there anybody right now on this team who is the future at third base? Uh from my glance, first glance, no. No. What is it going to hurt to bring up a twenty two year old? In a season where there's no pressure, there's no expectations, he can sit and learn, play, play. I would play him and give him some abs. He's going to be back in AAA. I mean, knowing how conservative we are, he's going to be back in AAA anyway next year. Why not have him here? Why not play him now? I like the idea. We. I got a guy from the Orioles coming up who's 21. This kid's 22. And we Julio saw, Rodriguez is still 21. Yep, well he won't we'll be 22 until. The and job just season. got an 8-18, 30 eight, eight, eighteen, thirty-year contract to play for. The, he's going to be with the Mariners until he. He's and, 40. I mean, for God's sakes, yeah, let's see some young guys. I mean, uh, God bless the guys we've been seeing this year, but. How refreshing is it to watch Nick Allen play every day versus Elvis? No offense, Elvis. He's coming back next week. No offense, Jed. No offense, Piscotti. But yet, I'm still going to look at the line. I mean, Tony Kemp. I know Tony Kemp had a great game last night, right? Tony Kemp was great, but what am I getting? But we can't call up a bazillion guys anymore, which I love that. That was one thing that I always was disappointed in, the fact that – you'd play one way and for 5 months and then the last month you'd completely change. I hated that. But to me I don't know what they're going to do. I just if I see other organizations, by the way, other organizations like the Braves and the Orioles who are playing for something. The Braves are going to be in the playoffs. The Orioles are battling to get in right now. They're they're what, two and a half, two back? Orioles are three back. Three back. Changes every night. But they're right there. They're
3: absolutely right there. You want to hear the the impact of a young player has on a team? Adley Rushman, where's he rank in war among catchers in the American league? Overall for the season? For the season.
0: Well, you guys tell me well. You guys tell me war matters until you want to bring up Shohei Otani, but I don't know when you guys want to use war or not. When
3: using war, Adley Westman got caught up in what, May? He got caught up in May. The Orioles have been great since he's been playing for them. Um, they, were under, they were eight games under when he took over. They're now over 500.
0: I'm not going to say, I'm going to say for all catchers? No, just the
3: American League. And then I'll give you all catchers where he ranks. I'll say fifth. In the American League? Close, but no. He leads the American League in war. See, I thought that would be too
0: easy of an answer. I thought you were baiting me into it.
3: Because Murph's second. And overall, Major League Baseball. Adley Rushman
0: has a better war than Murph.
3: Here's the catchers with a higher war than Murph. J.T. Real Muto. Do you
0: hear that? How we've been talking about how great Murph is? Do you hear that? And if you're seeing me right now, I'm right in front of the camera.
3: Murph's war, 3.5. Adley Rushman's. I want you
0: guys to think about that. Murph's been here all year long. And we've been sitting here talking about the greatness. And, yes, I mean, I can give you numbers. He's been hot since June 7th. He's been hot, July, August. To tell you the difference that this kid, Rushman, has just come up, and it's, it's like the Buster Posey effect. We saw this with Buster Posey in 2010. He's doing that. He's, le- he's got a better war. That means his all-around game. It's a math equation. What I've been trying to, especially when we've been trying to get to, we got Farron coming up?
3: Yeah, he's he's oh, he's there now.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon
0: when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available
1: H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: We got Mike Farron. The great Mike Farron is there right now. He's early. Yeah, he's early. He's hardly early for his show. What are you doing? Um, I'm going to be – you want me to – you know I've always been honest with you. I hope so. I've always generally, Tony, when somebody says, I'm going to be honest with you, it means I know they're full of it. Well, this one I'm going to be honest with you, okay? (laughs) Um, We got a letter from PG&E. See, I I, I bought a house about – I bought the new house about six years ago, and the people that live in my neighborhood in San Jose, California, thought it'd be great to put palm trees up. So they must have gotten a deal on palm trees in the neighborhood. Uh, and, of course, palm trees do one thing. They grow. Fall over. Yeah. Well, that's also the – so PG&E – Is here at my house where we would be doing the studio, we'll be in our studio for a road game, but I have no power at the house. So today, here you go, Mike Farron. If you were a season ticket holder for the A's, you'd be taking batting practice right now.
4: Wow, that looks like a great event. Huh? That looks like it's a lot of fun.
0: Now, will you be taking
4: batting practice?
0: Well, well we're going to tell you we didn't know this was going on. We just needed a place to do the show. We showed up and went, "Oh, it's batting practice. Look now, how this see, works out."
4: This sounds like a fraud to me because my guess is that everybody that that you were secretly going to do this so that you could get in and show off that San Jose. State uh, baseball background. So, I, I saw so you had Franny on yesterday. You know, yeah. I think figured you had to get a real Spartan hitter in there.
0: Yeah, I, I I think at fifty, I still could go deep. I may I may try and get in there. I think I can still take one out of the yard at fifty. In
4: jeans and sneakers, you yeah. think you're going bridge?
0: I, I think I can take one out. I, I still get five think I that can. says no chance. I probably would go with you that, but my bravado says that I still can make it happen.
4: I'll tell you what. If you go deep. What's the you you guys have AIDS charities, right? Yeah. I'll make a's a $50 community. donation to AIDS charity if you go deep.
0: That's that big time serious XM money right there. You heard that folks? 50 bucks on the great Mike Farron. Uh right now as we got 1 month left, what are you most excited about down the stretch?
4: Um that's a good question. I think the National League East race. I I'm excited about because I think those two teams are really really good. I mean, I think like to me there there's five teams that I would say have probably between like a seventy and eighty percent chance of winning the World Series. I think it's the, the Astros and the Yankees. And I know the Yankees last six weeks hasn't been great, but that's still a pretty good team. And then I would say Atlanta, the Mets and the Dodgers are the other three. Obviously the Dodgers are having an incredible year. Yeah. So um I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about because I do think that has a chance to be very close and I'm not sure that the Mets are actually better than the Braves I think they're pretty evenly matched so that's one thing that I'm excited about I'm excited about um I'm excited about Seattle you know like I'm excited to see what the that would be like um you know my in-laws live in Seattle my brother-in-law and his family are there our nephew is 16 and is a huge Huge Mariners fan. And, you know, he's never seen this in his life, anything like this. So the idea of them potentially hosting a playoff series, it's been 21 years since they've even been there. If they were able to get, like, the number three seed – or no, excuse me, the number four seed and be able to host in the in the the um, you know the wild card round, I think that would be pretty cool. So those are the things I think I'm most excited about down the stretch.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, and you know how much I listen to uh, your guys' channel, Channel 89, Series XM, MLB Radio – uh, on Sunday morning, I was driving up, and I love the GM show where Jim Bowden mm-hmm. gets all of his buddies to come on. They had Jerry DePoto on, and it's one thing to read about Julio Rodriguez's contract, but then to have Jerry DePoto actually put it in layman's terms and actually understand all the triggers and everything about it. And listening to Jerry on your guys's air, I was like, I love this idea. I love this idea the way it's structured for maybe a, a small market team like the A's, like, okay, we'll guarantee you the 120 up front, but then you have all these triggers. And if you meet everything, that means you're a superstar player and you're worth every dime, then it's worth 470. When you heard how it, it, it broke down before we get back into the postseason and, and and looking this last month, just, you know, you got me thinking about Seattle. What would you think about the Julio Rodriguez contract and how it was structured?
4: I mean, incredibly creative and, and I'm with you. I think it's, you know, less about the market size and more about that. You know, the deal is going to guarantee him $210 million. You know, he's going to, he's gotten a five year, $90 million option on it. If he were to pick up, if the Mariners don't pick up the more expensive option um, that buys out a number of his free agent years, he still would be looking at $18 million a year. I think that's, uh, I think it's a big win for him. Now you know there could be the chance that both of them turn down, turn that down when he hits. You know, gets to free agency at the end of the, the hundred and twenty million dollar portion. But it struck me in how fair it was for the player, how f- how fair it was for the team, and how there were still chances for him if he proved that he was the best player in the league to be able to earn at that level. Now I'm not a huge fan of tying. Um, financial um, financial commitments on players to BBWAA voting. I think it kind of runs against, runs counter to, I mean, I think the voting runs counter to what the BBWAA's mission should be anyway and covering the game impartially. But I do think that, you know, trying to create a way that's the best that they can do in the system that we have right now and cre- creating um, a way to allow that to happen was a smart move. And so I give... You know Jerry Depoto credit for it, and he, you know I think I've listened to that interview too, and him talking yeah. about, um, you know, the fact that he had done the first generation deal for Mike Trout and how much that had helped him when he was the general manager of the Angels. Ulysses Cabrera, who's who's Rodriguez agent, deserves a ton of credit for being creative in this too. I think it was a really good structure, and I think they lock up you know a guy who has a potential to be an absolute superstar player. For you know the 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 bulk of his career, if not his entire career, I mean, you know, compare it to the situation that the Mariners were in, you know, when they traded uh, Ken Griffey Jr. to the the Reds. Like, you, you're not going to have to worry about that, right? Like, if you're a Mariners fan, you can buy Julio Rodriguez gear, and you've got it, and you know that he's going to be there probably for the next at least 12 years.
0: Yeah, it's been one thing that uh, our fans hate. They always talk about it like we can't buy a jersey. We don't know who's going to be here. And listening to that interview, and I'm glad you listened to it because when Jerry Depoto starts saying, you know, this is from multiple deals to take, okay, I'll take this from what we did with Trout and I'll take this here and kind of structure this and make it unique, once you do this, now you're going to have other franchises. I think about what we tried to do with Matt Chapman. Could we have made that a deal more like that that made him and Scott Boris more interested in being Oakland for a longer period of time? Who knows?
4: Yeah, I think it's possible. I mean, I think the other thing that allowed this to happen is how early they did it, right? I mean, he, you're talking about a player that doesn't even have one year of service time. And so it's kind of similar to the Wander Franco deal from last winter. I think it was another one that, that, that DeBoto referenced there. So, um, you know, obviously things with Chapman would have been a little bit different because he was a little older when he got to the big leagues because he played at Fullerton. But I think you're right in the sense that this could potentially pave the the groundwork for contracts like that. The, the key to this one though, that I think is different than a number of the other ones is that it allows the the player to gain to earn close to what market value would be at least as of today 10 years from now if he's who we, th- we think he's going to be there's a good chance that that deal looks like a massive steal because salaries revenues all of that will continue to go up hopefully and so if that happens then it looks like a steal for the team but in today's context in 2022 $20, dollars He's going to be paid fairly for uh, what would be his arbitration and, and potential free agent years that he's given up, and that's that's a big difference, I think, from a number of, especially the the early um, you know uh, early team control contracts that we saw, maybe going back to the Cleveland days in the '90s, that were swung very heavily towards the team.
0: Yeah, and you know, generational wealth. But we always look at it glass half full, right? Well, if we look at it in a way, if something goes bad, the deal's not too restrictive, you can kind of handle that kind of money if it turns out to be a contract that, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to see him get hurt, obviously. Right. I mean, if something goes bad, kind of a la we're kind of seeing with Tatis in San Diego right now, It's not the guaranteed money is not something you can't swallow.
4: Yeah, it works out to be you know around what eighteen million yeah. a year if he picks up that option. So, um, and in fact, the option years are at eighteen million per. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, and and especially as revenues and payrolls continue to go up, it's going to take out a smaller and smaller portion of that.
0: Uh, looking at just uh, get back to the playoffs, as you mentioned, the Mariners right now the number five seed. I've got the playoff picture in front of me right here, and just looking at the seeding. And we talk about it for a first time with a bye. And what do you think as we go down the stretch looking at this as people are jockeying for position and how you how the seeding works in the postseason and how these wild card series, then you meet the one and two seed. It brings a whole new dynamic.
4: Yeah, it does. I mean, I think the, the thing is that the top two seeds in each league are pretty well determined, right? So, like, we know that it's going to be whoever wins the East. And it's going to be the Dodgers in the National League, and we know it's going to be the Astros and the Yankees in the American League. So then it's a matter of you know who gets a chance to play the divisional winner, who's going to be you know have a, a lesser record. And I think that that might be more important in the American League, and I'll circle back to that in a second. And then it's just a matter of you know making sure that you get in. You know, if you are the three or the four seed, you're going to host a three-game series. Um, there's no travel in that round, so there should be a little bit more of an advantage there, even though home field advantage doesn't matter nearly as much in baseball as it does in the other sports, but I do think that's important. The one thing I would say is in the, the American League picture, because I think the teams that are in there right now in both leagues are the ones that are probable to finish there. Um, and and that comes from somebody who really likes that Milwaukee team and loved them coming into the year, but they just have not been able to get on track. So um, I think the biggest disadvantage would be like if Toronto finishes at the sixth seed, having to face the right-handed pitching of the, uh, the Guardians, I think would be a pretty significant issue for them. Um, because I really think that that Guardian staff is very good, and their their best pitchers are from the right side in both the, the bullpen uh, and in the rotation. Well, Toronto's fine against right handed pitching over the course of the year. Like you're talking about elite level stuff, and they can run Bieber and, and McKenzie at you, and I think that's a really dangerous tandem. But um, you know, I think it's mostly just trying to. I, I think for the most part, it's just trying to get in and. Um, you know, the back of the National League race becomes a little bit more exciting with that because it's been so long since the Phillies have been to the playoffs and they're only a game and a half ahead of the Padres who have, you know, terrific rotation and uh, can match you up with really quality righties or lefties. And, um, you know, if Milwaukee were to get in, they, you know, the idea of having to face Corbin Burns and, and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta in the series does not sound like a whole lot of fun. So um, I think it's, you know, for the most part it's shocking for position with maybe you know one of those teams that could sneak from the outside I don't think Baltimore is going to get in but um, those other teams you know at least Milwaukee has a fighting chance
0: you know one of the things about baseball at this time of the year storylines are key and the Yankees were just here for four games as they split now they go down to Anaheim now it's Judge and Otani and what's so good about this and I've been trying to talk to our our, uh, our great listeners whether it's this show or the postgame show saying listen so much of the sport has now moved into training camps and we're in preseason football games and college football is starting and now football starts to take over that's something that even though whether the head to head matchup should or shouldn't matter for the MVP Giving us something in baseball that's news, that they're talking about around the country, whether it's a sports center or other networks. We're on a Monday night and a Tuesday night. We're talking about Yankees and we're talking about Angels down at the Big A. How good has that been for our sport?
4: Well, I think it's great, and I think it, it's, you know, like there's the added, and I know this doesn't necessarily – you know it may cause Ace fans to, to roll their eyes a little bit, but, you know, when you have bigger market teams to get together like this, it tends to give you a little bit more attention, right? And so yeah. to have the two best players in the league be in New York and, and in the Los Angeles market I think is important. And I think it, it does – listen, it's going to lead to a lot of debates, right, over – you know, Otani does what – he does the job of a top-flight starting pitcher and a middle of the lineup hitter. Like he's really important in that regard. Whereas Judge is just having an incredible year. Hi, how are you? It's good to see you. Yeah,
0: it's our season ticket holders. These
4: are our friends, family. You're so popular, man. Like I didn't realize that. I didn't think anybody ever came to give you a hug.
0: I yeah, like you. You ignore. Cody me. never hugs you. You ignore me at spring training. You and the Duke. Yeah. We got to force you to come on the show here. People love me.
4: See that's you're amongst your people,
0: but I think I, I gotta think buy you um, drinks in San Diego just to hang know, out with you. I know. Well, it's looks like I'm gonna be doing that again this doing morning, that again by the this way. year, right? Yeah.
4: <laughs> so at least hey, at least we'll be able to get together in San Diego this year. That, so I, I I do think that it, it's a big positive, and I think that that the discussion on Otani versus Judge is a positive for the sport too, yeah. because both teams are are or both players are really important players. I mean, you know. It's not insignificant to see Judge get the American League record in home runs. I mean, Especially, that's a, a number that still has significance. I think in sixty one, um, you know, he's ten shy of tying Maris, which would be both the franchise and the American League record. Um, you know, it's. I'm not looking forward to the sports talk show ish debate over uh, whether or not that's the legitimate home run record or if it's Bonds oh, because the record book says it's Bonds and it's gonna, Bonds. That's gonna be concerned. big here, by the way. Oh, I'm sure oh, it's gonna boy. be. But you know what? Like, I'm not gonna waste your time by talking about it because I know <laughs> what the record books say. So, uh, but I do think it's pretty cool. And and listen, like, Judge's season is incredible. And I think the most incredible part of what Aaron Judge has done this year is that for the most part, he's played center field and oh. played it pretty well. Like, that guy is, and I mean this in the best possible way, a freak. Like, he is one of the, like, he's one of the smartest hitters in baseball. If if we had an automated strike zone, I think you would have seen his strikeout, strikeout rate drop about 5% total over the year because nobody gets more low strikes called against him, the bitches that aren't strikes, because he's so tall. Yeah. Like, that guy is a smart hitter. he would get terrific command of the strike zone, terrific defender. Like, he's got everything going for him. And then Otani is, I mean... O- Ohtani's just a joy, man. Like that guy, that guy does something every night that like nobody else can do. It's, I we are so lucky to be able to watch Shohei Ohtani play. I think
0: I'm so glad you brought up what a freak Aaron Judge is because so much of the fanboy in our sport looks at Ohtani, and it is—he's a unicorn. He's doing stuff that we haven't seen ever. It's not Babe Ruth. No one's ever done this. But mm-hmm. you forget, wait a minute, Aaron Judge. I try and tell people this because when you stand on the field next to him. He basically looks like an offensive tackle, not a basketball player. Basketball players aren't that big. Like he's the size of Draymond Green, but he's way bigger than Draymond Green. He's sniffing almost. He's the size
4: of Eric, size of Eric Green, yeah. the old Steelers tight end. He, That's what he is.
0: He could literally, if he gained 20 pounds, he could be a left tackle. He is mm-hmm. that big. And as you said, he's playing plays right, does some DH, but he's doing it at center field a premium position, and he does everything. That's why I tell people, just don't say, because Otani's doing something we've never seen before. Well, we've never seen a human being this big play baseball and have him do it in center field. He's also a freak.
4: Well, I think that's the I think that's the part of it is that it, it's not just that he's played center field. Like Jeremy Burnett's played a fair about a center field, right? But Burnett's was never a great defender. Judge plays the position well. Like I think that's the other aspect of it. And I don't think, as much as I think what Otani does every day, it's easy to say, like, listen, this guy is one of the top pitchers in the league and also he's one of the top hitters, and so he should be the MVP. I totally can see that argument, but I also don't think you should discount what Judge is doing because it's not just about the home run total. I mean, he is a dominant – he has been – Nearly twice as valuable or, or twice as productive as the average offensive player. You know, I like weighted runs created plus a lot. 100 is average. Judge is at 198. That means he's been 98% more productive than the league average player while mostly playing one of the tougher defensive positions. He's not just putting out, Otani's putting up an Otani season. Judge is putting up a trout season, only with better power.
0: You know, one thing if if you kinda of poke holes, right, and we get to see Otani more than other people. And one thing that doesn't get brought up that happened earlier in the season is when the Angels took a dive. They were a team that was right there. We were all talking about, oh my God, finally, Trout, Otani in the postseason, the Angels. They lost fourteen straight. It's franchise record. Joe Madden gets canned, and that was kind of their season right there. And if you go back and look at the numbers during that time, the pitching wasn't great for Otani. The hitting wasn't great at all. And that's when they needed their guy the most, and that's where I look at Aaron Judge. And I'm not going to say one guy's on a better team than the other, but the pressure that Judge is under, like he didn't homer for nine games and people are on him. I mean, you lose 14 straight, your season's over, no one outside of Anaheim was really freaking out. If the if the Yankees lost 14 straight and Judge wasn't hitting, oh, my God, I can't even imagine what it would be like. So the pressure Judge is under is so immense.
4: Yeah, it is. I mean, and I think the other part is that he's, he's kind of having um, a Sammy Sosa-ish year and that he's having to carry this offense, right? Like, it's almost like... Sosa 98, you know, when he when he won the MVP award where he was kind of like the only guy that was having a monster season. And so I, I get that aspect of it. But it's also, as you know, really difficult to go to the ballpark and post and still perform every day when the team is not playing well. And that's where they are. I mean, they're in a position where... Not only did they have that long losing streak, but they had their manager come in, and then their interim manager makes the decision to have an opener or throw at a guy <laughs> and ends up getting suspended for 10 Phil, games. right? Phil and, Nevin. like, it just, like, <laughs> like there's, there's enough other stuff that goes on. And I don't know that we can fully understand the pressure that Otani is on every game because everything that he does is a national event in an entire country, right? Like, Aaron Judge has to deal with New York. Okay, that's fine. There are more people in Japan than there are in New York City, and everything that Otani does, everything that he says, every move that he makes... Is followed to the end in his home country, and heck, it might be just a relief playing in the states in that regard. (laughs) So, like, there's probably not there. There probably isn't as much pressure as there is from back home. So, I do think that that while you're right from a one loss standpoint, there is more pressure on Judge to perform, and especially with the expectations for his team, there are external pressures that are on Otani that I don't think any of us can fathom. Can begin to like Ichiro can fathom. That's about it.
0: Uh, real quick, if you voted right now, which guy you voting for?
4: I, I don't vote for awards, so I'm not – I don't care.
0: Real quick, I if you had to vote for awards. one, who would you vote for? Just who you vote for? I don't know.
4: No? In another month to make a decision.
0: Goldschmidt for sure in the National League?
4: I think Goldschmidt, yeah. I, and and somebody who's known Paul for a long time, I'd be very happy okay. for him. I mean – um, you know, he's, he's got a legitimate chance to be the first Triple Crown winner in the National League in 85 years.
0: Yeah, Joe Medwick, 80, by the way, who yep. I, who I did know the nickname Ducky. I didn't know Ducky it was Medwick. Ducky, yep. yes, the great Ducky. Uh, Ducky let's Medwick. end on this. Uh, somebody who's been so good to us, uh, I can't tell you. There's one manager that we have on all the time, and he always tells his PR staff, oh, I want to do the video with him because most people just want to do the phone call. They don't want to deal with it. And uh, ever since we got to meet him in San Diego at the winter meetings in 2019, uh, he's been so good to us. And Torrey Lovello, getting his contract picked up for another year, you know him so well. He's a former A. And like I said, what he's done for us here on A's cast as a a manager, a former athletic, uh, just happy – how happy are you for him – that he's in the situation he's in, he loves to be there, he continues to want and build there, and he's going to get that opportunity.
4: I, I'm very happy for him, and especially when you consider that they lost 110 games last year and stuck with him through that, and now they've been able to see the reward of from the other side. You're not going to find a better person in baseball, in my opinion, than Tori Lovello. He's just a tremendous human being. Um, and he's a really good manager and player development manager. You know, I think I don't know that he's necessarily the best at uh bullpen maneuvering or certain X's and O's inside the game, but I think in terms of feel getting the pulse of players, figuring out what they need, building relationships um, being a communicator, I think Tory's top of the chain, and you'd be hard pressed to have somebody. He's the, he's the kind of person that you dream of wanting to work for, right? He'll let you do your job unless there's an issue, then he's going to address it right away. But he's going to get your input as well on everything, and I'm I could not be happier for him. And it is fun watching them. You know, start to turn the corner a little bit um, they're not tied with the Giants for third place in the West oh. and you know some of that is the Giants have, have struggled oh. because they haven't been able to recapture the ma- Magic from a season ago but part of it is that Arizona has some pretty good young players and you know we get to see Corbin Carroll's debut this year out here in the desert and, and this week and you know he's got a chance to be that kind of impactful two-way guy as a guy with a lot of doubles and triples stolen bases get for a high average and play really good defense so um, I'm excited for Tori I'm happy for for him because you know, he's one of my favorites
0: Well, I can tell you here in the San Francisco Bay area, the media does not want to really dwell on it. So I feel it's my obligation to let everybody know on a daily basis that this is the biggest drop-off from year to year for the San Francisco Giants in the history of Major League Baseball. <laughs> I just feel it's my duty now, to let people know. Now, why would that know. be on your list of things to bring up? Because I'm me. a I journalist. can
4: possibly understand why. I am a journalist.
0: Yes. I'm not a talk show host. I'm not an opinion maker. I'm not a hot take guy. <laughs> I graduated with a degree in radio, television, and film. I'm a journalist, and I need to let the public know the truth. The only thing that you were missing is I'm going to be honest with you. That <laughs> would have
4: been the perfect thing to say before you said I'm a journalist and not a hot taker. Oh, God, it's the best. Hey, real quick, I saw what your guest list is. One, you have to ask Sean Doolittle about playing with puppies all day because they had puppies at the ballpark yesterday in Washington. And he was like literally getting in the cage with them and playing like cross legged on the ground, like puppies crawling all over him. Okay. And I saw you got Eric Valenzuela on. I love Eric Valenzuela. Like, that guy is a great coach, and you know he was a Golden Gloves boxer.
0: Uh, well, that will be now brought up. What else you got? That's that's all.
4: Listen, I can't do all your prep for you. You got Cody for a reason. What else you got? Come on, Golden Gloves. You got to have something else, no, right? No, man. It's, I'm big. Uh, Eric, I mean, Eric did a terrific job at St. Mary's they had a little bit of a disappointing season this year at Long Beach. I think there were higher expectations than what they they ended up reaching. But I think the the Dirtbags program is in great hands with him. He's tough as nails and a totally fair and a really really good baseball coach
0: well i always appreciate your time you're one of the tops in our business you know how much i love you, you. forgot
4: to say i'm going to be honest with you to I be completely
0: honest gonna... with you duke carries you no i love your guys show you know <laughs> hey at least in you you know i listen
4: yes i do i do i'm glad that we have a p1 in you
0: i am a first time caller long time listener of your guys' show <laughs>
4: appreciate it but it's good to talk to you so and, stay out of the sun
0: and yes drinks on me in san diego okay <laughs> take care buddy see you pal uh he's the best mike farron power alley they're on early it's usually when i'm going to the golf course and i'm either gonna play hit balls i'll listen to my hit balls um jim duquette who we've had on this program many times uh, he and Mike. It's its a great dynamic because Mike is so knowledgeable about the game, and then you throw in a guy who's been in the front office his entire career. You don't get to listen to it, do you, Cody? It's a phenomenal show.
3: I've heard it before, but I don't have serious, so. I mean, and I'm, not, I'm never going to the golf course, so I never get a
0: chance to listen. This is what I strive for with our show is our show is about not only the A's, but about baseball because it's tough to find baseball talk. Where are you going to find people talking about baseball? You're not going to find anybody in the Bay Area. Now The football, football's going to lead into basketball, it is literally 49ers, NFL, into Warriors, NBA, nobody's going to care about baseball. I want you Giant fans, yes, I'll say it, you to watch and listen to our show. I want to make this, and we have been doing this, make this a show about all baseball. Just not the A's, but all baseball, for all Bay Area baseball fans, because I've been thinking a lot about that. I mean, you, you turn on a sports radio station, I mean, uh, uh, Trey Lance has hardly played any football in his career since high school, but yet everybody seems to know everything about this kid. I have no idea. Best of luck, Niners. I saw my good friend Bob Sargent, who's with the Niners. Uh, Bob is a great friend from my old days at KMBR. Well, has worked for the Niners for years. Rod Brooks, another good buddy, used to work with him at KNBR, is going to be on the uh, broadcast for, not the actual broadcast, but they're going to have their Niner postgame show on NBC Sports Bay Area. Rooting for him, But no one's talking baseball. It's like baseball season's done. No one wants to talk about it. That's why you come here.
3: Do, do, do Giants fans want a quick update? Joey Bart, seven-day injured list concussion. That's not good. The Giants are looking to avoid their second Seven-game losing streak in six weeks. That's not good. Uh, only the Pirates, the Marlins, and the Nationals have a worse second-half record than the Giants, 13-24. and 24. That also is not good. Yeah, Yankees aren't playing well in the second half either. By
0: the way, what's the uh, score right now?
3: Uh, I haven't looked. No.
0: That's, last time I checked, one nothing pods. Oh, Bob melvin get, It's a Bob Melvin revenge series. Bob Melvin's kind of righted the ship a little bit in San Diego. They're hanging on. But you know what? I mean, I'm thinking like – so one nothing. If if I'm if if I'm so the three and six seed, the winner of the three and six seed will take on the Mets, right? If you're the three or six seed, are you happy that you don't have to face the Dodgers? I mean
3: I would say maybe not as much as if, if Gonsolin was on the mound.
0: Does it matter? The Padres couldn't beat the 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 Dodgers if you and I were out on the mound. <laughs> I mean they own them. Like they're defeated before it starts. I don't care if you got Scherzer, DeGrom, At least with the Mets, if you're the Padres who's the third seed, the Cardinals, you know you got a shot. If you're the Cardinals, you've already gotten your you know what whipped by the Dodgers now for years. This is years.
3: Yeah, it's it's it doesn't look good. you want like, If you're
0: the pa- let's be honest. If you're the Padres, do you really want to face the Dodgers again in three you want to face the Dodgers? It's a seven game set, right?
3: Uh, I thought the first round would be
0: First, no, no. The when the, the Padres yeah, yeah. beat the Cardinals, they play the Dodgers. Yeah, it'd be, seven. be seven. It'd be right? seven. Yes, that's the NLDS. Yes, it'd be seven. Okay, you really think you're going to beat the Dodgers with four games being a Dodger Stadium? No. That's what I'm saying. I'd rather take no. my chance against Degrom and Scherzer.
3: Yeah, with with the Dodgers, and you and you might not have Gonson. Who knows if he comes back? You know they don't have Walker Buehler, but the Dodgers are so good. And by There's the way, Freeman and all. And you,
0: you know what I'm going to do this year? I'm really going to do this year when anyone tells me, "Well, I wouldn't want to go up." I just got to get through five innings with Degrom. Degrom in the postseason is going like five innings. It's really a four four inning game, if not a three inning game. He's not going nine.
3: Do we have, Right. No, Dulo, Dulo's not here. I was looking. I was making sure. You went quickly? Quickly. Well, Fer- we need to break. Fernando Tatis not having a surgery yet. He has strep throat. It's going to be delayed at least a week.
0: Continues to be a circus. Coming up next, Sean Doolittle, former athletic, World Series champion, right here on A's Cast Lock.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app.
1: The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our long-time home. Last die Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdiebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdiebar.com that's Last Dive Bar, Art.com. The Eno Sarah
0: Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com.
1: A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend.
0: You know, this has turned out to actually be a great treat to be out here for the season ticket holders taking BP. And a couple of them have said, tell Sean Doolittle we said hello because they miss him. (laughs) Is he here? Do, how are you? What's up, Townie? A couple people, uh, friends of yours taking BP here for our season ticket holder batting practice wanted to say hello. They miss you. I miss them too. Please tell
6: them I said hello. How's their swing looking?
0: Uh well Jen got it past the mound and she grunted and acted like she won the seventh game of the World Series, so a huge success.
6: I love the energy.
0: <laughs> what is this? You guys had puppy day yesterday, and I hear you were loving it.
6: Oh man, what a treat. Um yeah, we had a a, a group for a, uh called Wolf Trap Rescue that works uh out in northern Virginia, brought some puppies to the field. Um I think they were actually just shooting up some promotional content. We have our last uh, Pups at the Park Day in the middle of September, um, but it was a huge hit for the guys. There were six or seven lab mixes um, running around the clubhouse. Um, it, it was just a, it, it was a lot of fun.
0: You know, for the A's being in D.C., you know, the last time – the A's were in DC which was 2005 for God's sakes Mark Kotze played in that series that's how long ago it was so I don't th- I don't think a lot of our fans unless you vacation there do you understand what an international city and area it is with all the diplomats and all the world leaders coming there just just what is it like to play baseball in Washington DC
6: Um, yeah, it can be a little bit different at times for sure. But um, here around the team, um, we're pretty separate from that part of D.C., um, the federal part, the, the bureaucratic part. Um, one thing that I didn't understand when I came here was really how awesome the rest of the
5: city is. Um,
6: D.C. Is, is, is such a cool city. It's uh, it's kind of slept on. A lot of people don't don't realize it, but it's an awesome city with uh, much like much like parts of the Bay Area. And I think that's why we, we gravitated towards it so much. And it was such an easy transition. Was how much pride people have in their city here, the culture that's here, uh, the the food scene is unbelievable. Um, so really, like from most of the time here, it's just it's business as usual, man. It's not as weird as you would think.
0: No, I was just there right before COVID. I brought the kids out and took them to the Capitol Building and did the White House tour. And I try and tell everybody, all the Smithsonian's are free. You learn about your country and your country's history. It's a lot of fun, as you said. There's such great areas, and the food is fantastic. It's like a, it's like a must trip for everybody. Uh, so, how are things going for you? We know, we know you haven't been healthy. What, what's it like for you there right now with the Nationals?
3: Uh, He left. (laughs) He was having spotty service in the first place, so
0: is he in the press box?
3: He was sitting in the dugout, it looked like. Oh, is he? Yeah, so I'm sure he'll jump back. I told him if if he was having issues, we'd give him a call, but I'll see what he says.
0: The great Sean Doolittle.
3: Yeah, he said. Yeah, he said to call him. So give me a second.
0: World Series champ. He grew up. What he grew up in? What New Jersey?
3: So yeah, and he he went to Virginia. He went to Virginia, yeah.
0: So he's been around that area for years I'm you know what I'm curious I'm curious Sean Doolittle um, long-term goals after baseball you know what what is his plan I mean this is a guy that is about helping people and you could see the power of of, of who he has become and wherever he goes whatever city he's in um, with, with helping and it's unreal because not every player and not every player should have to do that not every player wants to do that but if you do uh, you have you have the wherewithal to open up a lot of a lot of pass to help people and help animals and to help people in so many different ways I think with like Tony LaRusa and art Sean, Sean are you back can you hear me yeah we got you are you back I'm back baby yeah, so I was just asking, how you doing health-wise? What's going on with you with in the Nats?
5: I'm doing great, man. Uh, I appreciate you asking. I, I had uh, elbow surgery uh, about five weeks ago, um, and so far, recovery's going really, really good. Um, the training staff here, the medical team, has been taking great care of me, and uh, there's a really, really good chance I'm ready for spring training next year, so... Um, you know, at my age, it might not be the worst thing in the world to take a year off, get the body right, get a new elbow, and uh, be ready to rock and roll for a few more here down the stretch. So, um, it, as far as the team goes, it's, it's been a bit of a tough year, man. Um, you know, we're in, we're in a bit of a uh, transitional stage. Um, you know, that, that World Series team, um, you know, obviously is no longer here and, and traded Soto. Um, but you can start to see you can start to see a really exciting core of, of young guys that that are you know, starting to get regular playing time and take advantage of that opportunity. So um, we have an awesome group, man. And, and um, you know, you can start to see that there, there's a bright future here.
0: I like to hear that because I thought, you know, when you guys were going through that process of winning the world series, there was so many different former A's that we were so rooting for you guys. It was, ama- <laughs> I mean, I mean, God, we're having chip hail on all the time. You know, Kurt Suzuki, you, I mean, it, it was, it was a lot of fun to watch and baseball in DC just looked fantastic. So for where you are in your career, to have another shot at it, especially the haul that you guys got from the Padres and that could be exciting. Not too far down the road here.
5: Yeah. I mean, baseball's weird, right? It can be, it can be very cyclical, um, you know, and, and the, the organization here and with the nationals, uh, we definitely went, uh, we definitely went all in and we went for it, um, you know, to try to win a world series. And, Um, You know, now we're in the, we're in the process of, you know, rebuilding and and getting back to that standpoint. And um, the young talent that we got, like we, we, like CJ Abrams is here. He's, he was one of the the guys we got from San Diego, young shortstop. Um, And uh, man, he is fun to watch. He's silky smooth defensively. He absolutely flies on the bases. you know, like he's one of the guys, you know, uh, Caber Ruiz, the, the, the guy, we kid we got behind the plate who we got from the Dodgers in the, in the Scherzer and Turner deal. Um, I mean, switch it and catcher, um, has an absolute rifle behind the plate. Um, young kid, he, he, he really wants to learn and, and, and get better at handling the pitching staff. Uh, Josiah Gray, who also came over in that trade, um, I mean he's he, I mean he has a chance to be really really special on the mound he's an awesome kid um, so yeah I, I, it's it, it's a transition period for us um, you know teams go through it you know all across the league and but you can start to see man the, the, the future here is bright.
0: so looking at your surgery you didn't have full Tommy John
5: correct? Correct. I was very lucky and I was able to avoid a full Tommy John reconstruction. I, I got a procedure done that's called um, an internal brace. Um, so based on, based on where the tear was in the UCL um, and um, the fact that it wasn't a full tear, um, it was a very significant partial tear, um, but it wasn't clean all the way through, I was a candidate for this procedure and it's a relatively new procedure, um, but it's, it's about half the time of a Tommy John recovery. Wow. Um, if a Tommy John's taken anywhere from 12 to 16 months, this is more of a five- to seven-month recovery window, and that puts me in a really good spot to be ready to rock and roll for camp in, in February.
0: That is great news because, you know, I, I think about your your terrific career being an all-star a world champion. Where we are in baseball, we need more relievers than ever before. I mean, you get a new arm. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how you want to play, how long you want to play. But if you get a new arm there and you're left-handed, I mean, you could be in this game a long time.
5: <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, man. I've never been. I've never been afraid to wear out my welcome. You know, <laughs> um, I've never been good at like knowing like when it's time to leave uh whether it's like a party or anything else um but i'm thinking like you know i'm 35 right now like this gives me a year to get my body right this gives me a year to to really you know have a new elbow Uh, and um you know i still have the energy and the passion to put the work in on a daily basis to do the off-season routines and and keep my body in good shape and Um, you know, I still have a ton of fun coming to the yard every day. So, um, you know, I'm really hoping this buys me, you know, a little bit more on the back end and, um, you never know. Um, but, uh, it was something I was going to have to get fixed, um, if I was going to have a chance. So I'm doing everything I can and, and I'm having fun doing it. So, um, you know, fingers crossed.
0: As I said in Moneyball, sounds like an Oakland, a- Oakland Athletic already. I could see you back here pitching for the green and gold.
5: You kidding me? Hey, man, I'll tell you what. Like, if there's one thing I know. that The game has a, uh, a, a weird way of, of working, working itself out like that. You never know, man. I was, I was so happy to, to be able to come back, even though I was coming back as a visiting player last year when I was at Seattle. Because, um, I mean, that was the first time I'd, I've been back there since I got traded. Um, so, I mean, you never know. And, um, you know, it, who knows what will happen. But, um, you know, I'm just going to do everything I can to, to keep playing. And it's given me almost a new appreciation for the game, um, a new passion for the game. When, when it gets taken away from you because of injury sometimes, you, you reevaluate and you remember you know, really how special this opportunity is to to play Major League Baseball. And I want to do it for as long as I can. So I'm going to get my body right and see what happens.
0: And also a key with Keep Playing, for you and your wife and all the great work that you guys do, it also still helps that you're in uniform, wouldn't you say, to be able to do the <laughs> things that you do, right?
5: Yeah, man. You know how it goes. Like, when you're not playing anymore, like – you know people aren't asking for your autograph they're not asking for your time and stuff like the game you know it 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 passes you by a little bit for sure and um you know but but to me like that's all part of this experience right like i i want to get every part of the experience of being a major league baseball player you know i want every bit of that that i can i want to soak it all up i want to do as much as i can while i have this opportunity so um, it, it, for me, like, it's, it's it's all tied together. And, um, you know, I love doing it. It's super rewarding. Um, we've had a blast. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think both of us, my wife and I, I don't think she's ready for me to be around the house full time yet either. <laughs> uh, so I think we want to keep it going as long as we can, man.
0: So in this time where you're able to not only throw again, rehab, feel good, how do you think this time will help you in creating or refining your secondary pitches?
5: I think, well, the one, the one good thing about the, the little bit I pitched in the beginning of this year, I, 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 did pitch in five games right at the beginning of the season after, uh, after camp and, uh, in April, um, the, the breaking ball that I worked really hard on in the off season, um, was really, really effective, um, and it opened, up, it opened up the fastball um, so much. It, it made, made things a lot easier, um, you know, trying to sequence pitches and put a game plan together. Um, so I know it's in there now. Um, and I know, you know, kind of what the cues are for me and things I need to uh, focus on and think about when I'm trying to execute a breaking ball. Um, so, you know, so that's good. I know that's, that's in there somewhere. Um, but, I, I mean, this, this time you know i've been i've been trying to help any way i can right behind the scenes and and um i sit in the during the, the home games i sit in the dugout i got i got the dugout ipad um next to me all the time and i'm i'm looking at at our pitchers and the way that that they're moving down the mound what what they might look like mechanically um what they are what sequences they're trying to execute you know from a from a game plan standpoint and i'm trying to give these guys feedback and um you know, so like I, I, think that keeps the, the, the pitching part of my brain. It, it keeps it very active, and and the more conversations I have with, with our guys about it, you know, I'm constantly learning new things, uh, from them as well. So it's absolutely a give and take, and it, and it's given me some some ideas to, think about and some stuff I, that I think I might want to try when I get to you know pick up a ball in October and start throwing again.
0: You know, you you have so much knowledge about this game from a standpoint of your career I don't know how much you've thought about this but you know coming up as a top prospect and a hitter and a first baseman then a pitcher and a world champion and an all-star we've had this conversation with Steven Vogt about whenever that time is you know you can do a lot of different things broadcasting there's business, there's all these different things, but there also is still the love of this game and staying in the game, coaching, managing. So I think about your path and everything you could offer from a hitting standpoint, a player st- position player standpoint, a pitching standpoint. Have you thought about life after baseball and maybe staying in uniform?
5: Absolutely. I, I, I think just based on you mentioned a lot of the good things about my career, the some of the cool things that I've been able to be a part of and accomplish, but there's also been a lot of times where I was on the injured list. Um, there've been times that, you know, where I've been, I haven't performed well and I got designated for assignment. There's been, there's been ups and downs throughout the whole process. And when you're in those downs, sometimes you reflect a little bit and you think about um, maybe some other ways that you could stay in or around the game. And, um, shoot man if if vote if vote is going to manage um i would you know drop whatever i'm doing um if he ever want the pitching coach or a bullpen coach or um you know some kind of uh assistant um i would do whatever uh he he asked if if uh if he was calling um but uh i really don't know man i i i would love to be able to stay involved with the game in some capacity um but beyond that I haven't given it a ton of specific thought into what that would do. I, I think I could slide into a couple of different roles and and um, but I don't know I, I'm very passionate about this game and, and it's it taught me so much about myself and about life that I, I would love to be able to to pass that on and, and you know uh, pay it forward.
0: I don't think A's fans could handle that. Wherever you and vote would go, everybody would be like, Stephen votes the manager and Dew is the pitching coach? That would be, I mean, come on. That would be incredible. You know what? Next homestand, I'm going to play him this audio and see if we can get that rolling. And when you talked about dealing with adversity, yeah, I mean, for years on my talk show, well before we'd ever met you, we had you penciled in as the future first baseman for the A's.
5: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I mean, man. Baseball has a weird way of working itself out sometimes and bringing things full circle. Like, you never know, man. It, it, it teaches you to be flexible and it teaches you to adapt and, and uh, you know, it teaches you to be humble. Um, it teaches you humility. Um, so I've gotten a heavy dose of a lot of those things. I think it's changed my perspective on a lot. And, um, you know, thinking about the future, like I, I, I think those are all things that that I could – help teach guys um you know on top of some of the baseball stuff so um yeah i absolutely love you know when i'm working with our guys here we have a young group that they're hungry they want to learn um uh i did get my 10 years of service time this earlier this year so they have to listen to me when i talk now which is (laughs) nice um so um so I, I love that part of it. It's, it. it's been a huge help for me, too, during this rehab process to be able to stay involved with them as well. So I guess it's not completely selfless, but um, I, I just I, I, I have a passion for it, and, and I love uh, sharing that with other people. Well, I'll tell
0: you what, because of your gratitude, your humility, your love for people, all the stuff that's been tough turned into gold for you and a great career. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you, you are, when we think of all the different great people that have come through Oakland, salt of the earth, what, what, what you have done for so many different people out of your own love and heart is the reason why you've had this great career and you're going to keep having it. And we just want to say thank you for stopping by. Uh, I love the idea of bringing you back in the green and gold. But until then, we'll be rooting for you <laughs> with the Nationals. Be well. Tell your wife we said hello. And uh, take care. And can't wait to talk to you next
5: time. That's awesome. Thank you, Tony I appreciate you having me on. It's good talking to you again. See you, buddy.
0: The great Sean Doolittle. I mean, unbelievable person. I mean, he really... You name it. The cause, he's about it. He's about helping people. He's about using his platform to help people. And, yeah, sounds like an Oakland A already. Call Billy Bean. Call David Force. Get him on the program now. Call him.
3: What do you mean? David, David might be at the arena right now. He can just walk over.
0: By the way, batting practice is over.
3: Yeah, now it's just us and Clay Wood and the grounds crew here. And he, Reba.
0: Did I tell you the Clay Wood story about Art Howe?
3: Yes, he told the. You told it about the him. I told cat, actually. You, I told would, it, you told it yesterday.
0: Yeah, it's it's it tells you everything you need to know about Art Howe. Clay told me that on Sunday. Uh, coming up is going to be Eric. Valenzuela. Valenzuela, like Fernando Valenzuela. Yeah. He's going
3: to be doing it over video also. Really? Yeah, I had to send it to his Long Beach State uh, email address.
0: <laughs> really?
3: Yeah, the dirt bags of
0: Long Beach State.
3: As the great Roxy, you know him as Alan Bernstein, uh, told me, told us, he loves to talk pitching. I mean, obviously, he had Ken Waldichuk, Corbin Burns, Tony Gonsolin. He's he's had some big guys at St. Mary's.
0: Yeah. Now Long Beach State is that? Do you even know their uh, actual? Who the Long Beach State, their mascot?
3: I've seen it before, but I don't know what it is.
0: They're the 49ers.
3: And Justin Justin Turner went there.
0: But in baseball, they're called the dirtbags. Oh,
3: wait, Did he go to, Did he go there or Fullerton?
0: Uh, Justin Turner, I think, went to Fullerton. Who, uh, Jared Full-
3: Weaver went to Long Beach State.
0: Uh, one Weaver went to Fullerton. One went to
3: Long Beach State. I believe it was Jared Weaver, the younger one. Uh, let me see. Justin Turner.
0: Uh, do you know what uh, Cal State Fullerton's mascot? Uh, he went to Full- Turner went to Fullerton. Uh, I do not. The Titans, who are now producing managers like Mark Kotze, Phil Nevin. I mean, powerhouse programs. I got to play against them playing in the what? Big West all those years.
3: Booney went to
0: USC, right? He's an SC guy, like his dad. The great Bob Boone who went to my high Where, school. Where'd
3: Brett Boone go? I saw him. I was watching Ichiro's retirement header, and uh, Brett Boone did a video for other. I
0: don't think Brett Boone went to college.
3: Oh, he was a drafted out of high school, guy. Yeah, and he was a good player.
0: I'm not sure on that. I'm not sure on all my Boons <laughs> or the new addition to the family, Nick Allen marrying into the oh, Great right. Boone family.
3: Uh, before before Eric comes on, oh, actually, he's here already. Early. Well, everyone likes. Everyone's been joining early.
0: Is Eric ready to rock? Yeah. Are we heading down to the to Long Beach State? Yeah. Long Beach State dirtbag territory, the great uh, Long Beach State baseball program. Do we have him? Eric, how are you? I'm here. All right. Welcome to A's Cast Live. You're familiar with the athletics from your time in Northern California.
2: Absolutely, man. I love it. Love it. Miss it.
0: So, ha- first of all, let's talk about you before we get to Waldachuk. How are things down there in Southern California?
2: You know what? It's been great. Um, you're right. I enjoyed my time. I, my family and I loved it up there. We were up there for six years at St. Mary's college in Moraga and definitely miss our time in the Bay area. We loved it. Um, but uh, this is an unbelievable opportunity uh, You know, for me and my family. This is back home for us. We're from the St. Gabriel Valley here in LA and oh, um, right. you know, the tradition of, uh, you know, great players and coaches and teams that have uh, been part of long beach state is, is uh, first class and, we love being here. So, yeah, thank you. It's been it's been great. I mean, obviously, the challenges of COVID and my first year here when I left uh, Moraga in 20 was COVID year. So, oh. you know, it hit us. I've been here for three full seasons and it's been two the, the first year of COVID. Second year as well. We got affected by COVID by not having a non-conference season uh, and only a conference season. And then so last year was like almost like our first uh, real full year. And so, yeah, it's been but it's been going great.
0: Yeah, I'm a dinosaur. I played uh, in the Big West for San Jose State when we were all in the same conference, Long Beach State, Fullerton, Fresno State. And uh, many a times it battles with Long Beach. And so much respect, Coach Snow was there at the time years ago. And, you know, when I think about Southern California baseball, you know, everybody always thinks USC and UCLA because of football and, of course, UCLA with basketball. But when you think of all the great players, I mean, we just had Steven Rodriguez, who was at Pepperdine uh, as a head coach, then at Baylor, now at Texas, but one of the great players. The amount of talent that's gone through Southern California, you can even go, go south. I actually grew up in San Diego next to San Diego State. From a college mm-hmm. standpoint, people just don't understand the amount of talent insane down there that runs through these great programs.
2: Absolutely. And it's... Um... I wouldn't say it's very difficult to recruit. I mean, there's so many good players everywhere, but yeah. especially here um, in Southern California, I think the challenge for us is finding the right fit, right? The guys that are right for this uh, for this place and want to want to be developed by this coaching staff and want to be part of this wonderful tradition. And And there's so much more to it, you know, when it comes to location and the school and the development and the coaches and all of that. But you're right. I mean, we don't have to go very far to find really good players and good talent. Um, but that's also the challenge, right? Because there's there's more to it than 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 the talent and the ability. We have to kind of dive into everything, and so we're blessed to be in uh, what I call the the you know the hotbed of, of baseball. That's for sure.
0: How has that COVID year, where high schools were shut down, so much was shut down, uh, it had to change recruiting. It had to just change the kids overall. I have, I have teenagers in high school right now. Their lives were so dramatically changed, just not from their activities, but just their maturity and who they are as trying to become young adults. Just from a standpoint of baseball, and as I said, just not baseball, these kids just in general, how much did this ch- time change them, and
2: what have you seen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it did, it did a uh... – It did a lot. You know, I I would say good and bad. I mean, I think number one to have to go through um, what, you know, us coaches and players and parents, right. All had to go through for these last few years, you know, I think it's really going to teach our boys and our, you know, our kids in general, just, you know, that life's not easy, you know, and that you have to make adjustments and you got to make some turns and that's okay. I think that's a big part of this thing. Um, But on the other side of things, I think it took away from some development time, you know, when you're talking specifically with baseball, you know, when you're not, you know, you don't have the ability to get in cages or to get on baseball fields and work out as a young kid when, you know, those years are crucial, you know, with some of these guys that are in high school, you know, I mean, um, I think that that could take a toll and we're seeing a little bit of that. But, you know, then there were also those that found a way, right, that worked and, and had to, you know, do it in their garage or their backyard or whatever. I think from a college baseball side of things, I think it stung the recruiting a little bit and, and it it made us have to Um, get outside of our comfort zone as well because there's we couldn't get on the road right the ncaa shut us down where we couldn't go watch games nobody was playing so a lot of it was video and a lot of it was trusting you know obviously friends in the business that were either high school coaches travel coaches scouts whatever and so you know when you're making uh you know big decisions on kids and you really you know haven't seen a ton of them or maybe even in person at all you know that's that's uh it's very it's very tense and, and you get nervous you know for sure.
0: When I think about Ken Waldachuk and him coming to Oakland, it's the land of opportunity. You can get stuck in the Yankees' system and not get a chance. Coming here, it's the land of opportunity. So we're going to see him tomorrow in our nation's capital. Just how proud are you of him making his big league league debut? And what are we getting in this (laughs) left-hander?
2: Well, yes. I mean, I'm absolutely, truly, uh, excited. I mean, he reached out to me on Monday to let me know. And I mean, he just made my, uh,
1: made my day.
2: That's for sure. Um, you know, he's a great story. I mean, I don't know if anybody knows this, but, you know, coming out of uh university high school in San Diego, he was, no, he was, I mean, nobody recruited him. He had no options at the division one level. And, you know, we found out about him about this big physical lefty that was, you know, a mid eighties guy that, um, that missed some bats, but he had some command issues and, um, And we actually got him, you know, as a as a non scholarship walk on. Wow. And um and, you know, I was telling the story yesterday. I mean, that's there's a difference between getting being able to get a walk on at Saint Mary's versus you know a Long Beach State. I mean, it costs you know sixteen seventeen thousand dollars to go to Long Beach State at at Saint Mary's. It's you're talking you know between fifty five and sixty thousand. So. I mean it's 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 a big difference. So the fact that we were able to get him on campus for for no scholarship and he earned it, right? I mean I I definitely gave him scholarship down the road after his first year. He earned it for sure. And not only did he earn it as a, you know, a, as a pitcher, you know, and as a player, but he earned it uh as the type of person and the type of student um that he was and and that's what did it because not only is he a special talent on the mound and and how much better he got from high school through, you know, obviously through us at St. Mary's and then onto pro ball. But I mean, never had any issues with him academically, never had any issues with him being late to anything. And these guys have, it's a, it's a full-time job, you know, for these college student athletes and, you know, and then came from great parents and and great family that, that really, you know, that kind of let him be and let him grow up and let him go through some, some tough times and, and, um, you know, we as coaches never heard a peep from the parents other than support. And uh, and that's always, uh, you know, that's always nice as well. But I'm so excited. You're getting a a bulldog. You know, you're getting a guy that that I mean, I mean, Oakland fans, um, you know, should be absolutely excited um, for Ken to be in this organization. He's a stud. I mean, he's a he's a horse. Um, he's going to put up huge innings um, and he wants the ball uh, you know, in the biggest situations, he makes that big pitch when it matters all the time. Um, you know, and, and, um, he's just even kill. When you talk to him, you kind of get a little flustered because he, he, it almost seems like he's ignoring you or he doesn't want to talk to you. But It's not even that, you know, it's just not that that's just his personality. He's really even kill. And that's how he is on the mound. When it's, when it's going a little fast, you know, and there's guys on base and it's less than two outs and, you know, it's, it's maybe he's ball two and, you know, I mean, he's able to just control that emotion and be under control and be, you know, make big pitches when it matters. And um, and that's what I love about him. He doesn't say much, and that's okay. You know, that's all right. He talks with what he does on the mound and, and his work ethic and his character.
0: You know, one thing I've noticed in video from A, he recently struck out nine in a game, seven in a row. And I don't know if he had these same mechanics while pitching for you. But he really hides the ball way way behind him, and that is that's something that is so special. I hiding the baseball; the less the hitter sees it, the less he knows what's coming. Has he always been like that? And what kind of weapon is that?
2: Yeah, you know what? I was talking to my pitchers yesterday. Um, you know, obviously everybody is excited. Uh, you know that, that um, Ken's there, but I was talking to my own pitchers here and. I was telling him, I mean, there's just those guys that have like a disappearing fastball. Ken has always had that, where a lot of times in college, we didn't have to throw anything other but you know than the fastball for a lot of innings in a row because they just couldn't square it up. And you're right, he hides the ball well, he's big, it has angle to it. Um, you know, when he pounds the when he pounds the zone, I mean, he's very difficult to square up the hitters. And you know, and I would use this example, and I said, Man, I wish this happened to me when I was pitching you know he would get a 2-0 count or a 3-1 count and throw a fastball right down the middle and they would just swing and miss you know where you know the pitchers were laughing I was like that never happened to me if I had a 2-0 count and threw one down the middle it was gone or hit for a double you know (laughs) he had that luxury and that's what he had he just has that disappearing fastball that you know when he if he got behind or it just made his fastball look like it was 100 you know and it was in college you know anywhere from probably that 91 to 94 range but You know, I mean, it it acted like an upper 90s fastball, you know, and and then, you know, I think little by little, he started, you know, obviously learning how to, to, you know, pitch a little bit backwards when when he uh, when he needed to. And and that's what we try to do with our guys and get them prepared for the next level is to be able to adapt to any situation. Right. If they, you know, they can pitch with their fastball. Great. You know, but they have to be able to, to pitch backwards when needed and pitch with their off speed. It doesn't matter how hard you throw. Um, And I think our guys are able to do that. And he's a great example of that is, yeah, he uses that fastball. But now, you know, he could throw that curveball, that slider, that changeup in any count. And that's what makes his fastball even better.
0: I mean, you guys were creating a pitching factory out of St. Mary's. I mean, Corbin Burns, Mm -hmm. you think? I mean, it's just like when you had all these guys there at St. Mary's, did you like know and you could tell at that point? yeah these guys are big league talent or did they mature into that
2: no i think all three of them have different stories you know but you know obviously they all were very talented and we were lucky to get them and have them but they all kind of have their different story you know corbin you know first off corbin and tony were both you know they were position players you know first in high school before they you know were pitchers and so you know they were athletic and that that makes a big difference when you're a pitcher right they had they were shortstops and you know, so they were athletic kids, but very raw on the mound. And so, you know, they worked really hard. And, you know, I mean, Corbin had stuff, um, but he was also just a pitcher for us. So we had a lot of time to, for the three years, he was with me to keep on improving every year and get better and focus his attention on that. Tony's story was different because he was our best hitter as well. And he hit in the three hole for us and he played right field for us. And, you know, the first year he closed for us, he would come in uh, from right field and close games, and he'd be all dirty and have eye black on, and he would, uh, you know, he'd, he'd come in and just throw flame throwing fastballs by guys for an inning, and then he was good and he got a save, and then we put him in the starting rotation. I mean, and just imagine that, right? I mean, 56 games and you know 13 weeks or whatever it is, yeah. and and he's playing, you know, he's hitting at the top of our, you know, the three hole playing right field, and and he's starting on the weekends, and so we had to manage that. And manage his you know his arm manage his body and making sure we did those so they were all kind of different paths and then you know and then um and then Ken comes in right after those guys because those guys they got drafted in 16 the same year and then Ken came in as a freshman that very next year in 17 and then he got drafted in 19. So they were back to back and Ken was just just a different path. Now he's left-handed he's big he's physical we got to get him in shape we gotta you know teach him how to pitch and and, um, you know, he's a guy that went from, you know, an 85, 86 guy in high school. And all of a sudden he's, you know, 91, 94, and he's commands a little, you know, we got to get him in the zone a little bit better and pitch ability. And so, you know, they kind of all had their same story, but, you know, I mean, the one common thing that they all had was they just had an unbelievable work ethic. And for as nice as all three of those guys are, you know, um, in person, um, and when you talk to them, when they're on the mound, they're, they're pit bulls man they're they're just super competitors and um and that's what's what's pretty common with all those three
0: you know i think about tony going the on the il right now still definitely has a chance to win the cy young and the national league and when you talk about a two-way player our own manager who i got to play against in college mark kotze who's one of the great college players of all time you know you just think if he would have got that opportunity to be a two-way guy because you draft a guy and you go nope you're hitting or you're pitching and now with Shohei Ohtani doing what he's doing do you think maybe possibly we will have teams be more open to allow a guy say hey, let's see can you pitch can you hit let's see if you can do both
2: Yeah I think so I mean there's a way, I mean I think we've been really successful with two-way guys way back to I mean my the days with uh with Richo at University of San Diego Um, but there's a, you have to be able to manage it correctly. And that's the tough thing is, you know, especially at the college level and obviously at the pro level too, but in college, I mean, you know, when you're practicing, you know, five or six days a week and you're lifting weights and you're conditioning and you're, you got your throwing program and you're going to class every day. And when do you eat all these things? They, you know, it's tough enough for, for, for just a normal student, you know, but when you're a student athlete, and then on top of that, you're a two-way player and one that is like a legit two-way player it's very difficult to manage and you have to have uh you know you have to kind of know how to do it and you have experience with it so yes it absolutely is possible because a lot of these kids are super athletes i mean you look at now compared to 15 years ago man these kids are just uh um, i mean they're superior athletes but the other part of it is there's a lot more po's now right pitchers only now than there was in the past too, right there's you know these guys have been pitching only since they were eight years old, versus you know playing other sports and and um, you know playing the infield, outfield, and pitching. You know doing those things. So, but yes, I mean I love it. I mean it's right. You go watch Shohei, I and mean, that's pretty pretty exciting. And um, um, and hey, before they took the you know the DH thing, and some of those hitters, you could some of those pitchers, you could tell they swung the bat before. You know.
0: Well, enough of this baseball, baseball soft. We all know it. Let's talk boxing. What is this? You are a golden glove boxer.
2: (laughs) No, 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 no. That's not it. (laughs) I boxed when I was young, but, but uh, no. So I come from a boxing background. We're four decades. Uh, My, my grandpa, um, he boxed and and professionally and then uh, owned a gym and train fighters for a lot of years. And then my dad took it over and now, you know, he's into his, 43rd year i believe and wow you know he's he's had world champions and was a national usa national coach for years and years and um and then i you know he had a different path for me i boxed young and then said hey this is uh you know i want you to be a baseball player and do that and then uh and then now my son so i have twin boys they're 12 years old and they're boxing competitive they play baseball as well but they're they box competitively as well and so it's just in my blood man and uh I love it it's you know guys have hobbies right they golf and they have other hobbies outside <laughs> of their their work mine is boxing man mine is uh i, I yeah. just, i'm a boxing historian it's in my blood i love it to death i mean you look at my look at my you know my background out here it's in my office at blair field and it's all boxing posters and you know i think it just gives our you know for me you know you kind of push that mentality on our players and on our team and it kind of just gives you that gives us that extra little edge and a little, we're a little bit different and a little bit more crazy than everybody else. So,
0: Well, the best lines ever is Mike Tyson saying everybody has a game plan until they get hit in the face, and it's so true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's something about I wish boxing was more like it when we were kids because a big prize fight was the biggest thing. Nothing was better. But there's so many things that boxing can teach you. And number one, I think football does this too. Hockey can do it for baseball players. Is that, is that toughness? This isn't easy. You gotta be tough to be successful.
2: Yep, I agree. And and I always talk about the preparation. You know, I always talk about I talk to our guys and I ask them this question, okay, when you're not prepared as a baseball player, what's the worst thing that can happen? And you know, they'll say, Well, you know, as a pitcher, you get ripped, right? Or as a hitter, you strike out, or you know, you go for four. And I said, Exactly. I said, But as a boxer, if you're not prepared, tell me what can happen as a boxer. You know what I mean? If you're not truly prepared, you know, you could break your nose. You can get, I mean, concussions, you know, I mean, it's, it's a way worse outcome physically. And so the level of preparation has to be like a boxer, right? I mean, they're fighting for their lives and and they can't take a day off and they have to give it all they got and they have to be absolutely prepared. And so that's kind of the mentality we use with our guys. And, and uh, you know, I think they feed it and, and they love it.
0: Let's end on this because love the college game, love college baseball. Are you worried about all these decisions being made in sports uh, that are about college football, OU and Texas going into the SEC, UCLA, USC going into the big 10. Now we're hearing, you know, it could be Washington, Oregon, who knows what it's going to be like, but it's going to affect all the other sports also. Are you worried about that?
2: No, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm worried for, you know, if something were to happen, you know, negative to, you know, any college sports or teams, and that's going to limit student athletes from having opportunities. Yes, of course, but no, I'm not. I mean, I, I think now more than ever, when you're talking about specifically college baseball, I mean, it's as popular as popular can be. I mean, it really is. And, and, you know, the path to the big leagues and, and I mean, colleges, it just seems like the way to go, you know, and, and now the coverage on TV and, I mean, um, yes, I mean, it's, you know, the the stadiums and, you know, sometimes the fan coverage, you know, from other places outside of Southern California or on the West Coast might be a little big, but I mean, there's, you can't, um, you know, get away from the fact that, I mean, West Coast, California, Northern, Southern, you know, Central California, this is, uh, you know, this is it. The hotbed of baseball. I'm truly excited to be here. And, you know, am I concerned? No, I think, I think college sports, I mean, there are some things, you know, when it comes to pay and all that kind of stuff, that, you know, is probably for a different, uh, different time. But, but no, I think um, for our sport specifically, I mean. This is as good as it as it's been and and as much coverage as it's been. And it's pretty exciting. And I'm just glad to be part of this thing right now.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And I know you're going to be proud tomorrow. It's going to be very special for you. So enjoy his debut and uh, have a good rest of the fall and good luck next season.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Take care. Yeah, you get a bulldog. A big bulldog. I'd rather have a big bulldog than a little bulldog. And a guy who hides the baseball. I'm I'm telling you, when when you see the video of it, obviously I'm not left-handed, but when he's coming down, the ball's back here. So if I was to do that right-handed more naturally for me, I would be back here. We call that deception. Right? And so all of a sudden, when I'm coming down here, and the reason now, if you're listening, you can't see what I'm doing. Yeah, go go. Oh, we got we got to get. We're almost done. We're almost done. So when you come from back here and you're coming down the mound, it's coming around. I mean, think the hitter can't. He's not seeing this, right? He doesn't know your grip. He doesn't know. He's not looking at that. And you start unwinding and you start coming. It's less he sees it versus a guy who just comes right here and he's boom. If I'm holding it back here when I'm coming down and then bringing it, and it's just, it's such a little amount of time, but it's huge. Anytime it takes a little more for a hitter to recognize what the pitch is. See, that's one of the things about hitting, right? As Emo will talk about disrupting timing, that's what pitching is. But you have to think about the human brain. You've got to be able to not only have the hand-eye coordination, but your brain has to have the ability to recognize what the pitch is. And not only do you have to recognize in a very short amount of time, like they have breaking down the milliseconds and whatever it is, you have, as a hitter, you have such a little time to recognize it, and then your brain's got to decide, do I swing or not? It's one thing you recognize it, and now with guys throwing 100 miles an hour, that ball's on you like that. So the longer you can hide the baseball and keep the hitter from understanding even what the pitch is, and then the brain to say, swing at it, just that little amount is huge. And that's why deception, can you teach it? Sure. But if this is something you've been naturally doing, keeping the ball behind you, for a little longer time so a hitter can't see it because, as you can see my hand here, he's not, hitter's not, can't see really looking at that. It's not what the hitter's going to see. Hitter sees it when the ball's out here. So, Ken Wallachuk, it's exciting because, let's face it, for A's fans, you wanted to sign Frankie Montas long-term? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Love Frankie. Saw Frankie here with the Yankees. Told Frankie can't wait to have him back on A's cast. He said, no time, no problem any time. But you weren't going to sign him long term. And you weren't going to sign him long term because you shouldn't. And Lou, it was better for Lou to go. And if you get, I don't know what the other two guys of the deal are going to be like. Medina and Bowman.
3: Yeah, Cooper Bowman, second baseman, and Medina's a hard-throwing right-hander.
0: Don't know. But Sears, I already know. Sears will be pitching in this rotation next year. And if Waldechuk is as good as not only his old coach just said, but Sears has told us how good Waldechuk is. You're trying to tell me you get two out of your five rotation out of one trade from the Yankees for a guy that you're like, okay, take Frankie.
3: Well, technically three if you throw a cap in there too (laughs) It's from the Yankees, I mean different trade, but still from the Yankees.
0: I mean that that is uh, that is big. We got to get out of here, huh? Yeah, because they got to water the field.
3: Yeah, Claywood. Claywood hey. was already asking what time we're going to be done. <laughs> Where is Claywood? Uh, he went. I think he went out towards center field. His office. He and Ruby.
0: Yeah. Ruby, Re- the famous dog. Reba, the famous dog. No, it's Reba. Reba, the famous dog. Why don't we <laughs> call her Ruby? <laughs> That's an R. Reba. It's okay. I, Reba was here. I was petting Reba yeah. during one of the interviews. Yeah. No, this is what the Coliseum looks like when no one's here. This is what they do. Once again, this ended up being brilliant, right? Season ticket holder batting practice day. We had no idea that this was going to be happening. We just we needed a place to do the show today. An impromptu
3: ace cast live from the Coliseum.
0: And we need a place for uh, to do the show for tomorrow, but it won't be here. I can guarantee you that. Oh, We're not on tomorrow. We're not on tomorrow. Ace Total Access, which is coming up next, will be on tomorrow. Uh, the final game of the three-game set. We want to thank Mike Farron, fabulous. We want to thank Sean Doolittle, fabulous. And, uh, God, I just
3: lost. Eric Valenzuela. Eric Valenzuela
0: <laughs> from Long Beach State, who was fantastic, also. We've got some boxing, We've got some sweet science in, We've got some boxing in. So, a lot of fun today from the field. Coming up next, it's the A's and the Nationals. Game two from our nation's capital. James Caprillian, 32 straight starts. Of six innings or less. That's the longest streak in Oakland A's history, and that's not a streak you want to have. Does he break that streak? You're going to find out coming up right here on A's Cast. Thank Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see everybody tomorrow. The Eno Seris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com.